love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, what's happening in Vermont? Anything? How, how, wait, I do, I do really want to know how was your mouse situation? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we did have like a resurgence of oh, no. mouse issues, but I mean, I'm convinced. I told you about the, the neighborhood cat, right? Like I told that story. I'm not sure if you did. Wait, you have a neighborhood cat. That's great. That's great news. I was actually thinking it was almost time for you to get a cat. So where I am kind of in the back of my mind toying, I need to investigate more about a barn cat because we do actually, we have a barn. And so I'm like, maybe the barn cat, like, will the barn, barn cat survive? How warm does the barn need to be for a barn cat to survive is what I need to investigate. But anyway, I don't even know if we need a barn cat because there is a neighborhood cat who I've seen like in the yard, you know, like a classic cat, like you see it and then it's gone right in the yard before. And then one night in our initial, so like a month ago, when we were first talking about all the mice problems in the middle of the night, the motion detector light outside of our bedroom came on and I popped up and looked outside. Cause I always want to try and catch the animal moving out there. And I see the cat and I'm like, oh my gosh, this cat. And it was hunting right outside the house, like around the garage, kind of right by the kitchen where we've been seeing all the mice. So and the mice had stopped. We'd stopped catching them. Right. So I was like, oh my gosh, the cat now knows like, this is where I can hunt. And so like, you know, nature's evolution at its finest, right. It's just like working at this problem is working itself out. This is great. So the mice had stopped, but then, you know, the weather got warm again. Now it's cold again, warm and cold again. And I think like everyone got everyone being the neighborhood cat got a little complacent and left our area went to go find new um predator new prey and the mouse heard and they came back and then we started to have more mice again and then now they're disappeared again so and it's gotten cold again so i can't really understand if it's connected to the weather or the cat to be honest <laughs> i think it's both but probably a combination of both but it is it's definitely gotten better it's gotten like manageable and I mean, that part of where we live apparently is that it's just going to be a thing, but we, we are working on, we're still like working to seal up all the little holes that we find and things. So anyway, more of the story of is like pretty good right now because this cat, I should give the cat a name. Do you, well, do you think Ramona and Max, what do you think they would, how they would, they, would they react to a little kitten sibling? Uh, Max, I think could learn to love it. Ramona had had a couple run-ins with cats and luckily she's never caught the cats, but I don't think it would go over too well. And my main concern is I know she chases them and I, I think the cats will always get away, honestly, but I am just worried they would run into the road and then the dogs would run into the road, you know, and then you'd have one of those issues. So I think though, if there was like a secret barn cat, I think we could maybe get away with that and like maybe introduce it slowly. And then Ramona's on her, you know, as she gets like more elderly, maybe she'll learn to love other furry things. I don't know, but maybe any of um, our vet, our vet listeners can, uh, yeah. chime in if there, if there is a way, <laughs> but, um, I've come close before, <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I don't know how cowboy would react to a cat, like a kitten, but that actually was one of my friends who is a vet said that if you introduce a kitten, like she's like, Oh, he'll, he'll probably love it. Yeah. Um, but I just also was, I'm like, can I, should I be taking care of another creature? Probably not. <laughs> like my plants are all dying, <laughs> not doing very well right now. So, um, there's that, that issue, but I'm glad to hear it. Um, you know, and now that the weather is cold in Vermont, it's also very cold and very snowy here in Bozeman, but you know where it is not cold and it is not snowy and things are happening, uh, Tempe, Arizona. Do you, yeah. did, you, did you follow all the action in Tempe this past weekend? A little, as much as I could. Haley, Tempe is on fire. This like November timeframe, we always know all the action is going to Tempe because we had the collegiate national championships happening in Tempe this past weekend, which always coincides. It seems, I don't know if it's just by chance or, and they've just all decided to do it now. Um, the outspoken summit was back in person this year, back in Tempe, Arizona, 
back the weekend of collegiate triathlon national championships. So all of that good stuff was happening. And then it's like sandwich. It's like this week of things happening in Tempe just gets drawn out because Ironman Arizona. So all the Ironman athletes are coming into Tempe now and getting ready to race this weekend. Um, so apparently, you know, this, like, what is it? Second and third weekend in, um, Phoenix metropolitan area must be prime triathlon, like place to be, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, starting with the outspoken summit, uh, they did have the outspoken awards, which, um, we had called all of our listeners to nominate the fantastic women in their endurance sports lives. And one of the big winners, outspoken woman of the year, Kate Verano from Zwift, who it was a guest on our show just this past summer. She talked about the Tour de France Femmes and Zwift's role in that race. And she won a big winner. So huge congratulations to Kate. It was uh, very cool to see her, her win that award. Outspoken woman of the year. I think it was very well-deserved. Yes. Congratulations to Kate and the, you can follow, um, on at out at on Instagram at outspoken summit they have been putting up um reels and a lot of the highlights from the event so if you did miss out on that i would suggest you follow there and any media that you might be able to access afterwards will be alerted to you there so just make sure you're following outspoken summit on instagram for the rest of it and haley we have an inside look into the other thing that was going on in tempe the collegiate triathlon national championships Right. That's right. Like you mentioned, NCAA triathlon is, is hot right now. I mean, I think, uh, they just officially reached that 40 team threshold to make women's NCAA triathlon, a fully approved NCAA sport that that transition doesn't happen overnight. It takes a few years, I think. So they are in that process, but it's exciting. NCAA triathlon is here to stay. And so the championships for division one, division two, and division three just happened this past weekend in Tempe and the, uh, the big winners, uh, division three, North central college try went one. I think it was their fifth, fifth, uh, national championship and trying university was second Millican university was third. And then in division two, Lenore Ryan was first Colorado Mesa second Wingate third and division one, Arizona state, the hosts of the event, their sixth, not sixth. I can't even, um, such a big number. My voice, my, my, uh, vocabulary is beyond, but sixth national championship there. Queens university, uh, was second and that's their division one debut. Previously they had won in division two, but now they are in division one. So came in second, great showing there and university of Denver was third. So it was an incredible, incredible weekend for the women in Tempe, um, individual champions, Let's see. Amber Shellbush from Arizona state won division one division two was won by Julia Kekkonen from Wingate university and division three Haley Poe from North central college. And as you mentioned inside look, so Haley Poe, the division three national champion, along with the coach of the division three national championship team, uh, North central college. Uh, Avery Lewis. They did join us for a quick interview to talk about the race in Tempe, their own performances, individual and team, and what they think about NCAA triathlon, making that transition from emerging to fully approved NCAA sport. So we will have that conversation with Avery and Haley right after the break. Hi, Avery and Haley. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Hi, thanks for having us. So huge congrats to both of you on a very big weekend at the women's NCAA triathlon national championship, North central college won the division three title for, is it the fourth or the fifth time? I saw conflicting reports. Is it the fifth or fourth? So technically it, it might be both. Um, so the first year we did win for division three but that year the results were not divisionally separated. Okay. So that one's kind of like the first one was kind of a win, but kind of not a win. Uh, but we've had now four titles since then. So it's, it's, it can be four or five, depending on who oh, you definitely five. I mean, even one <laughs> I it was like five. bigger. Okay. So we have that cleared up. Thank you. Um, emerging sport issues. So, but yeah, let's go with the bigger number. And then Haley, you won the individual title for the second year in a row. So we want to start with you, Haley. Um, I think you're a sophomore this year. So this was your second year at the team, second year at the national championship. What was it like to return to Tempe and defend your title? 
Oh, it was an amazing experience. I love the course in Tempe. So I just had a blast getting to race it again, especially because one of my strategies going into the race was visualization. So I was able to race on the same course last year and then essentially race it in my mind a million times before I ever entered the course again this year. So it was really awesome to have that strategy in my back pocket. And absolutely, it was amazing to be able to race on the course with my strong team this year and totally demolish it. So that was the best part about the race for me, being able to see my teammates really going after it on the course and cheering them on as well. And Haley, last year, the team finished third. And this year, you, you were able to add that team victory in with your individual title. So how did that feel? Oh, that was amazing because going into the season last year, my goal was to win all four years with my team. And unfortunately, that wasn't in the cards for us last year. But to have it happen this year was just beyond amazing. And so the schedule, I was looking at the schedule of events and I believe D3 goes first in the morning. Is that right? Followed by a D2 race, D1 race. So what is it like to be first, the first, first race of the day? Oh, it's really cool to be first because we kind of set the tone for the rest of the racing throughout the day. Um, and it's really nice to have, especially if the weather's going to look like it's going to be warm for the rest of the day, we kind of get it in the coolest setting for that morning so that's definitely a relief for us but I really like that idea that we get to set the tone for the racing for the rest of the day and um they kind of the announcers kind of talk about our race as the other races happen which is really cool to have too yeah when did you find out that you won the team title are you able to celebrate or are you like out there watching the other races yeah so um for our race we had a little bit of time after we finished before the second race started. Um, so as soon as I finished, I kind of like waited in the shoe at the finish line for the rest of my teammates to come through. And whenever I saw um, Scarlett and Bethany come through, who were our second and third uh, finishers for our team, I kind of knew that they secured the deal for us um, and not far behind them was Charlotte. So. They, all three of them, seeing them come in so close and finishing in the top seven was amazing to me because I got to see them finish and hug them as soon as they came into the shoot. So I knew as long as there weren't any like penalties or um, just little funky things that could happen after the race that we had won the title. And Avery, I think that you're relatively new to the NCAA coaching scene and to the NCC coaching staff. So what drew you to this job? Yeah, so um, I this is my first year here coaching at North Central, but like you said, uh, also just first year coaching at the collegiate level in general. Um, I knew ever since uh, women's triathlon became an NCAA emerging sport that this was where I wanted to coach. Well, not necessarily North Central, but in the collegiate environment, um, just because triathlon is such an individual sport, but to be able to coach it in a team setting where all the girls are doing all the same workouts together, they're going to all the same races. Um, I just thought that would be the coolest environment, especially because I got my start in collegiate club uh, racing and that's how I found the sport. So um, basically I was getting ready to graduate with my master's degree in sports psychology from Florida State and was just kind of looking for job opportunities. And it just so happened one day that this job popped up and I actually didn't know anything about North Central, hadn't heard of the school before, um, but decided to kind of just take that leap of faith and um, take the opportunity to, to hopefully coach women's, uh, not only collegiate triathlon, but I'm also the head women's swimming coach here as well. Um, and swimming is my primary background. So I, I just thought it would be super exciting to coach both sports. And then when I came out here for the interview, just totally fell in love with the campus and the culture um, and the athletic department. And it's just been amazing experience ever since. So made that big move from uh, Florida to Illinois and uh, it's supposed to snow tonight. <laughs> I'm uh, embracing myself for the winter, but yes, it's just been absolutely amazing to be here so far. And so as a coach, what is it like to win a national title in your first year with the team? 
It is super surreal. Um, I know that we definitely could not do this if I had not walked into such a strong program um, as is. I mean, we have such an amazing group of ladies. This is the biggest the roster has ever been. And um, the previous coaches, Jenny and Kurt, they really did build such an amazing program. So um, I definitely felt very excited, but also a little intimidated to kind of try to carry on that legacy. And um, especially with it being my first year coaching at the collegiate level, I really didn't know what to expect, but the ladies on this team, they just worked so hard this season. They really did um, put their trust in me and just, you know, whatever I said, hey, let's let's try this. They would always give it their best shot and it absolutely paid off. Um, it's just so rewarding. Not obviously the win is super exciting and I, I'm, I'm so glad we were able to take that title back this year, but just to see how many of our girls had PRs out on the race course uh, this weekend and had the best race of their season really showed that all the work they put in this season really all came together when it mattered most. So that was super exciting. And Haley, the NCAA triathlon competition series season is fairly short. So what does your training and racing look like for the rest of the year and into 2023? Yeah, so being involved in a division three athletic program, I actually have the opportunity to run indoor and outdoor track. So during my freshman year, that's what I did. And then I'll be continuing that through um, my next three years here at North Central College. Um, and I really love getting the chance to switch it up a bit and just run track especially because last year I got the experience running steeplechase for the first time. And I thought that was so cool. So I'm super excited for the outdoor track season when I can race steeplechase again. But I love just having that little change up where I can focus on running a little bit and make that stronger for my triathlon performance. And then also getting the chance to throw in some swimming and biking with my track workouts too. So Avery, what is, what is, do you transition now as from a coach, do you transition into swimming or do you still have some triathlon practices throughout the off season? Yeah. So right now um, I'm pretty much shifting into swim season. The swim season has actually kind of been going on for the last two months. So we've kind of been in this crazy overlap um, where we've had swim meets some weekends and triathlon races other weekends, but yeah. So Full focus now will shift to swimming. And just like Haley does the double between triathlon and track, um, I actually have a very large number of girls who are on both the triathlon and the swim teams. So that's pretty cool that I get to keep working with those athletes and really developing their swim as well um, throughout the winter season. So swim will go until uh, about mid-February. And then at that point, we get to have a little bit of a spring triathlon season. So um, just about a month of training time where we get to use some of the weeks that we didn't use in our fall season. So we'll be able to get the whole group back together and do some full swim, bike and run workouts. And then hopefully um, we're looking to do one more race this season. Um, perhaps it might be an indoor race because uh, things will still be pretty chilly in Illinois in, uh, in March or we might travel somewhere. Um, but yeah, so we've got swim season ahead and then a little bit more of triathlon um, before the girls will be done for the year. An NCAA women's triathlon hit the threshold this year to become a full NCAA sport. And that transition should happen in the next couple of years. So Avery, does that distinction change anything for your program? Yeah, so uh, women's collegiate triathlons always changing and evolving um, as we're growing, as we're adding more teams to the sport. So the biggest thing that is going to change um, in terms of us achieving this NCAA championship status is going to be the national championship itself. So at that point, um, when the NCAA takes over our championship, there's going to be a lot more um, media attention and exciting things that will come with that. So what we're trying to do right now um, between our coaches board, and then I'm actually on a subcommittee where we're making some decisions about what's going to happen to our championship in the next couple of years leading up to um, the, the full NCAA approval. It's just trying to lay the groundwork so that the, the championship is in a, in a format that's highly competitive, as well as um, inclusive of some of the best teams and the best athletes in the sport and just preparing it for that transition so that um, it's pretty seamless when the NCAA takes over. So in terms of what that means for our team, um, I'm not quite sure right now. A lot of those decisions are still in the works. Um, one other thing that's really exciting and hopefully in the pipeline is we are looking to introduce relays uh, to women's collegiate triathlon. So that's something else that's very exciting. Might not necessarily be next season, um, but it's definitely in the pipeline. So we're excited about that because it's just going to give girls uh, more opportunities to race. It's also very uh, exciting and spectator friendly. Um, so we're, we're very excited for those changes that are to come. 
and Haley, we could on, on Zoom, we can see you celebrating that the potential of relays. How does, you know, this become becoming a, a fully approved NCAA sport? Does that change anything for you? Do you feel proud of yourself for kind of being on the forefront of that transition? Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I was most excited about in my college search was being one of those uh, leaders into the sport of triathlon becoming a sport within the NCAA. Um, I definitely want that to be like part of my legacy is that I was one of the one of the first people to really be involved in um, triathlon as a college sport and just to be able to give back to it whenever I'm older and um, more mature in the sport and really form a strong alumni network with my current team is one of my goals in the future. So whenever it can be an official sport within the NCAA, that'll just be amazing. I think I'm probably just going to miss that um, because I'll graduate in 2025 and it's looking like the projection projections for the official championship will be a little bit later, but I'm really proud to be a part of this movement so far and I can't wait to see all the strong women that come through it in the future and really make a mark on the NCAA. Well, I think the energy that comes out of Tempe and the championship there every year just gets me more like fired up and enthusiastic about women's triathlon and especially getting to see women competing at the collegiate level. It's, it's really, really special. So um, thank you both for chatting with us a little bit today and giving us a little bit of insight into the weekend and a huge, huge congratulations. And hopefully the celebrations can be ongoing, at least at this time. <laughs> thank you all so much. Thank you. Congratulations to Haley and to Avery. Uh, so fun to just hear the energy and to get to just kind of get a little bit more insight into that collegiate triathlon that's happening now. And we did get a little fun fact after we took turned the recording off that Avery was a dynamo swimmer growing up. So Haley, how do you feel about this dynamo connection? I feel like the dynamo swimmers are like, kind of this underground network of in the triathlon community. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, uh, I, Avery and I actually were at Dynamo at the same time. She was swimming as an age group swimmer younger than me. And I was a master swimmer because I was slightly older, but, um, which is pretty cool, but uh, we didn't know each other. We we're actually at two different locations, but I think that the Dynamo community is very strong in swimming is very strong in triathlon. When I was growing up, I really looked up to the Dynamo swimmers. And so it's cool that I, you know, now we've been that way and now we have fully infiltrated triathlon. So yes, <laughs> but very, very huge congrats. Like you said to, uh, to, uh, you know, everyone who competed last weekend in Tempe, I think it's, it's so fun to see the growth of NCAA triathlon. And I can't wait to keep watching it for years to come. And Haley, we do have a really fun interview as well for everyone today. So today we were talking to Alex Watt, who is celebrating. Well, I guess we're a little bit past the date celebrating 372 days as of, <laughs> of racing as a professional triathlete, which is really exciting. She you raised her. You I think well, track of other when people's I looked other up athletes, her, like how many days? Can you tell me how many, how many days have I been a professional triathlete? Have you been Not keeping for track you. of that? Well, I could maybe, I could figure it out faster than you think because the date was right there. So it was like last November 6th that said that she raced her debut <laughs> pro Ironman at Ironman Florida. And so then I was like, okay, well, 365 days in a year. And then we're like, I was actually wrong. So if people are really doing my math, I was wrong. I, but I'm, I was really close. Um, and uh, it, it felt right when <laughs> coming through my brain. So she has been racing for one year as a professional. And we talked to her about how that first year has been from training camps to her first top 10 finish um, at Ironman Lake Placid, but spoiler alert, she actually got her second top 10 finish in the pro field at Ironman Wisconsin, where she was heading the week that we were chatting with her. And Alex was a college runner for Virginia Tech. So we talk about how she's actually become a faster and healthier athlete after college, as well as managing ups and downs of life while being a pro really fun conversation. And we'll hear from Alex next. Alex, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So we're super excited to talk to you during your race week. So thanks for taking time to chat with you when we know, or to chat with us when we know things are hectic. Um, this weekend, you're towing the line at Ironman Wisconsin. 
And I don't think you've ever had the pleasure of racing in Madison yet, but your coach, Hillary Bosquet, has won the race there. So I'm sure she has you plenty prepared. And is there anything about this weekend, or the course, the race in general that you've heard about that you're like particularly looking forward to? Um, I know that's a hilly course. So that's like something that I much enjoyed to a flat course. So that's what I've heard. And I've been told I have to get a rental car to drive the course. Um, I just did a like class of it. Like if you don't know the area, it's like, this is one of the courses she mentioned that it definitely bodes well if you've done it before. Um, so I'm not going to race. I'm not going to ride it a lot beforehand. So I'm just going to drive it. So that's the biggest thing I've heard. And I think it's cool. We get to run through the football stadium. Like that's sick. And yeah, that's kind of all I've really heard about it. And it has a great race atmosphere. So that's exciting too. So that's really all I've heard. And I kind of, yeah, most races I kind of go into it with not a lot of information. I just kind of like absorb it when I get there. So we'll see how it goes. I love it. And I'll give you my tip from racing in Madison. So this has nothing to do with the course or the race itself, but the day before on Saturday is going to be the farmer's market in Madison. And it's right in the like square of the city. And it's so fun to go. If you're staying around in the city, definitely like walk over and go check some things out, but don't get on your feet too much. But Stella's is going to have like a little stand in the farmer's market and Stella's makes this amazing spicy jalapeno cheddar bread. And I highly recommend getting some if you do gluten and or dairy, because it's amazing and you will eat the whole thing when you're done on Sunday. So definitely get that for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll have my mom with me. So that'll be a good task for perfect. Yeah. 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 Save the jalapeno bread for post-race. Maybe. <laughs> I, I feel like definitely not have it before the race. I don't know how, I mean, like I have a pretty good gut, but that's not what I would eat before a race. <laughs> Alex, we're only about like five or maybe, yeah. Is it just five weeks since Lake Placid? I mean, time is flying this um, summer. I would say it's um, probably like from date to date, seven weeks, but. Oh, is I, it seven? Okay. Seven or six weeks. It's not it's a little more. It's like, it seems shorter though, but it's, only yeah it's about seven or I six. have no sense of time but that was a breakthrough Ironman for you like you mentioned you yeah. like the hills that's another very hilly course you broke 10 hours and you finished ninth overall your first pro paycheck so how did that feel um I think I was just like I've known I could do it so it's, it's kind of like any type of race you just have to like actually like just do what you've done training and just kind of like finally put the results kind of to where you're what you think you can do so I remember getting off the, the getting off the bike and I'm starting to run I was like right in 11th but there was two women right in front of me and I got one right away and then it was kind of a day where I was like solidly ninth and so I was like sick I'm gonna make some money and like this is sweet like top 10 but like, obviously like for me I, I want to be higher up in the race but you have to like take one step at a time to get there so I'm like okay so my first top 10 sweet next I can keep moving up but that was just like it was a kind of a salt nothing was like I say in my race is like particularly like amazing but it was like a solid swim bike run like nothing was like wow she crushed that it was just like just was a good solid day throughout no issues just effort wise all throughout and yeah it got me in the top 10 and it's just yeah it was a good day overall so and what about your headspace like during that race because you know trying to kind of claw your way through those middle ranks is something I'm very like well familiar with, um, yeah. in my racing as well. And it can be tough, right. To, to feel maybe like super out of touch with the pointy pointy end at this point, but also trying to maintain like that positive space when nothing's like really great on the day, but you're still <laughs> solid. Right. So how do you like find the, like, mindset to stay positive when things are good, but like not great. Cause I think so many people expect race day to feel great. And I think that's one of the biggest things they can learn is that it doesn't have to feel great. It just has to feel like solid the whole day. Yeah. I think one thing that I've realized with the very few Ironmans that I've done is, is that it's a really long day. So like what you feel in the swim is not necessarily you feel on the bike, but you'll feel on the run. It's just like, you know, you just have to like, it's just, I also put in perspective, it's just one day, like you have just one day of effort. And just like you just see what you do on that day. But I think from like the perspective of headspace, like when I turned pro, everyone's like, you turned pro at the worst time ever because like it's just there was not a few races. So every race that I started with, it was like extremely stacked. Like I did my first 
like one was like last fall at Ironman Florida, which that we joked was like mini Ironman Worlds because there was no other fall races. Kona canceled, and so, and then I raced Ocean seventy point three Oceanside back in the spring. So those are two pretty stacked races, and so for a new pro who doesn't have like. I wasn't like a collegiate swimmer. So like when you have that stacked of race, you're just out the back from the front. And then like, so mentally going from an age group race where you're like, okay, I'm gonna work my way up to the front to being in a race for like, you're like, oh sweet. I'm like 20th right now <laughs> like in a race of 25, like you're near the back. So I think that like those few races in the beginning of like just starting pro, like was like, okay, like just you, I, my goal always was to be competitive. So like the headspace there, like that kind of like prepared me for like the, this year, this like season racing of Ironman, just because like, I've already been out the back and I've had to like work my way or just like, just stay like, you're okay. You're not slow. If you belong, if like in that headspace, you belong to be here. It's just like, this is an extreme, like, like discrepancy of like you're racing an Olympian and world champion versus like your new pro. So that's like kind of cool to have in all one race right now, but that's like, the mental headspace like you just have to be like it's just you have to kind of like remove the women that you're racing in some ways and not put that in your head and just be like your effort is what you can control and like yeah a day could feel like crap or it could feel awesome but it's just remember it's just one day or it's five hours four hours it's nine hours of your of your time so I just kind of like break it down into the time and like day and just like to see what I can do against the women I'm competing against so just don't like take it like don't like I don't like to analyze too much I'm not like a really like geeky number person I just want to like race and compete so that's how I kind of like just stay trying to be grounded as much as possible when you get that first paycheck are you going to spend it on anything fun no it basically covers <laughs> Wisconsin travel <laughs> I got it I was like sweet um that's going to go towards my hotel and my airfare so it was well, the fact that you got it already yeah. is like things have changed since the early days. That's like a huge plus, I feel like. It took, it took a month, which is fine. I have it's not like I, I have a job, so I have income. It's not like I'm waiting, like, oh my god, I need that. Um, but it was nice. I was like, oh my gosh, triathlons paid me. Like, <laughs> like that's cool. Like, that's a first. I need a lot more money to make up my investments so far, but it was a nice start to have that too. So and Alex, you're heading out to Madison from sunny and hot Southern California, where you live in Encinitas. And, but you weren't always like a California native, right? So you were an East coaster like myself. And it's always interesting to me because I'm so partial to the East coast, how folks end up out West. So can you give us kind of the short story or the long story of how you ended up in California? Yeah, I can give you the whole story. Yeah, I grew up, um, I'm from Virginia, Northern Virginia, outside of uh, Washington, D.C. I uh, grew up there, was there my whole life, went to school in Virginia, and then I had my first job out of college up in Massachusetts, and I was there for a couple of years, and then I moved out here to San Diego, and as a child growing up, my dad's best friend was stationed here in Coronado, a town um, in San Diego, south of me and so I grew up vacationing on my spring breaks with a free place to stay so it was very rare to have an east coast kid travel to San Diego so I did that for about seven years where I was a child like we came out to San Diego so it was not like it was a random move for me to come out here um and then when I got into triathlon after college I was in Massachusetts I'm like I'm in the wrong location right now like I gotta get out like this is not ideal like I was like I was didn't know anything about the sport but I knew like Massachusetts wasn't the place to be and I just decided like I was fine in Massachusetts but I wasn't like thriving personally so it's like it's time I'm 25 I'm moving to California and so I've just kind of made it as kind of I said it like a year in advance kind of manifested that and then I quit my job saved money and drove across country with my dad and I like kind of I picked a race I did 70.3 super frog here like end of the fall so it's almost I've been in San Diego five years now which is insane um and so yeah and I moved here and I found a job within three months of being here after some traveling and it ended up being up in North County San Diego and then I met, I met Hillary she's up in Encinitas I found housing randomly in Encinitas so it all kind of happened within a month and so I've been here ever since and I tell everyone and I've said it multiple times that I'm never leaving. This is the only place that feels like, like real home. And I never want to leave. So it's like, yeah, it's been just kind of like taking one chance and just kind of like everything has kind of rolled from there. 
And I was out there with you uh, last, was it April, oh, March, yeah, April? April? Yeah. And um, I got to train a little bit with you and um, it was, it was a much better than I expected. I think I think of SoCal training as traffic and, um, you know, just it being really logistically hard, but it actually seemed like it, you, you knew the routes, you knew the roads, you had a lot of good training options. It seemed like, so what is your training? Like, are you usually by yourself? Are you with a group? Uh, or, you know, are you mostly indoors, outdoors? I mean, it, it seems like it'd be a shame to be indoors with that kind of weather. I, I still hear people who do like, I think Swift like kind of like, has, it's such a great tool. And I still hear people do Swift a lot. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, we live here. You have to be outside. Um, so I do, I would say majority, like my training, I think it is a lot is my, by myself, but I think the best thing about being here and why I love it so much is I found like communities of groups that I can do some of my sessions with and the first one like I would say I was here it took me probably about two to three years after being here probably yeah within the middle of 2020 I felt like I found like my community and my group of people and it's all a collective mix of like swimmers or runners or triathletes but through those different groups I've been able not to just do all my training by myself so like I swim at the NCAA YMCA um, with their master's group twice a week so that's a group thing I have. I found a track group of like mix of like triathletes to former runners to just enthusiasts of running, like just a really collective group of mix of people ages from like 25 to 40. And we do that on Tuesdays and that's at UCSD. So I found that group and that's been like my favorite session. I have an ocean swim group that I swim with one with the ocean organization on Sunday mornings. Everyone works with my training. And then through the YMCA and just through being here for long enough, I have found like other triathletes and random people, like just like, what's your ride? What's your ride? And I have people to ride with on my long rides, sometimes on Saturday, sometimes I can just do it by myself. Um, but other than that, a lot of the rest of my training is solo just because like everyone's work schedule and everyone has, it's so crazy. It's one location here where there's tons of athletes, tons of triathletes, but we all have different coaches or different races. So like you think like, oh my God, a plethora of people to train with, but everyone's, it's just coordinating that. But I feel fortunate that at least four to five sessions of the week, I, they're like my social outlets too. I get to be around other people and it's mostly for swimming and running and then one to be one bike ride a week. But the rest of the sessions, I'll have like one trainer ride that I do by myself, like obviously solo, either Swift or a workout that Hillary gives me. And then easy runs and then, you know, pill repeats on the bike or recovery ride, those things I can do by myself and long runs too. No one wants to run as long as I do. So I do those all by myself. That's how, you know, you're really doing Ironman when you can't find people to do the runs long no, enough. No, you. no one's like, you're running 18 miles. And like, they're like, they're like, no, thank you. Or you're running, you're riding a hundred miles. But they're like, no, like, yeah, like, like yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're like, do a loop. I'll do half of it with you. <laughs> No, and I'm like, I'm really picky about some of my long rides. I'm like, no, I'm doing like, I, from being here so much, I think 2020, the pandemic, it really like Hillary basically got, we got normalized hundred mile rides. I'm like one consistently I'll ride a hundred mile ride pretty typically like every weekend. Like if it's not like a race or there's nothing coming up or anything, I, I have normalized a five to seven hour day. Like it's like no big deal now, which is crazy to even say that because that sounds psycho as it is but I like to like I have loops I have like five or six loops from the coast and I have a loop inland so like you can't like either like you're in my 100 mile ride or you're not because it's a big loop <laughs> and speaking of training groups and people to train with you are coming hot off a training camp that Hillary um had dubbed world champs camp um, meaning that the training was geared towards those athletes at the caliber who have qualified for or are working to qualify towards a world championships event. So it looked like this camp was great and it looked like you had a bunch of friendly phases to do some of that work with. So, you know, is that kind of, was that a great way for you to like, I mean, two or so, two, three weeks out, I guess from Ironman, right? It's like the last big push to have all those people. I imagine that was such a huge boost for you. It was great. I mean, like, it's kind of like we, it's just having like everyone who's like on the same mindset understands triathlon and just Ironman or half Ironman. And like, that's not like always the case in your like community or where you are. And so for like five days straight, you're just like totally like zonked into triathlon world. You're doing epic, epic, epic days back, back, back. 
and it's just a big push. I think like, I mean, I don't train this much, but like after that camp, I did a 30 hour training week, which is, that's like 10 to eight hours more than I typically do. And it was just because that's like a big push. It's like, you're doing, you're not you're doing atypical things. Um, there's one girl who came in, Anna um, from Milwaukee. She's like a top age grouper who's going to be turning pro next year. So I've had someone who was like a buddy, like equivalent to me, which was pretty awesome. I've never had like that experience before of having someone who is almost where like tit for tat on swim bike run, like which someone's a little faster in one area or not, but like that, I haven't had that in my triathlon days and my, my collegiate running days, I always had, or my running or swimming, I have someone, but like for a triathlon, tri like training partner specifically, it was like, this is cool. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I told her like, do you want to move here? Like, do you want to come and like stay here forever? Like, this is great. Um, but I think it's a great way to push because like, I felt like last week I was like brain dead for a couple of days. Like it felt like I did a race. <laughs> it was a big training push. And I think that anyone who wants to like eat it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because I never thought of training camps with like I just have been here and doing Hillary and been able to help out and be part of these camps but for any other athlete that's like looking for like just a solid five days like you get like so invested and so sucked into the triathlon it's like a really good way to like push yourself and you're doing things that you would never do on your own like I would never be like yeah this three days of training sounds completely normal let me just whip this out by myself like you have support and you have people doing it and I think for all those athletes who have 70.3 worlds or Kona coming up, like they just got a huge bank in training. And I'm hoping that it pays off for me at Wisconsin. So, yeah. You've mentioned a couple of times that you were a collegiate runner. Um, you did not sleep, swim collegiately, but you, I think you did grow up swimming. Is that right? Yes. I, yeah, I, I swam like I, in Northern Virginia, like it's this huge call, like the MVSL swim league. And I know if you're from that area, you've heard of it. Like the DC metro area is a big swimming area. I, so there's some areas in the, in the Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps, the list no, goes it's on. Just, no, it's crazy. You can go on. Like there's so many people from our area. It's like basically like one of many little swimmers. So I grew up, I think from age six to 18, I did like the summer league swim and I was pretty good as a kid. Like I was a breaststroker. I thought at age 12, I won this big meet. Um, like MBS, I won this and I was like, I'm going to swim in college. I'm going to go to the Olympics. Like, nah, like there's like this kid. And then like, I think reality hits as you get into like the more, like I swam year round, like on a competitive club team from age 10 to 15. And I entered high school and I was like, oh shit, like I'm actually better at running than I am swimming. And I think it became to the point, I'm sure Kelly, you understand this, like you swim so much to drop so little time in some ways. And it was like, I got to the point when I was a freshman in high school, like I had to either like commit and swim a lot more to get better or you're done. There was like, there was no like just maintaining and like I've been running took over my life. So I quit swimming, but I still did the summer league swimming, but, um, taking a 10 year break from swimming when I got back into triathlon, you know, 10 years later as a breast sprint breaststroker into going into distance freestyle. I'm like, oh, you swam growing up. I'm like, I know, but this is completely different. And so it's taking me a long time just to like, I, I can swim, but it's a different like background too from like coming. Like, yes, I know the stroke and I can swim, but it's taking me a long time. When I started with Hillary, I was like, yeah, I swim like twice a week. Like, I think I do 130 days. Like, and then she's like, no, you got to swim a lot more. I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good to have that. And I think like, like hindsight, I'm like, oh, why did I quit swimming? I should have swam through high school and it would have been a huge difference, but like, you don't know that at 15. So. And what about yeah. running at, you ran at Virginia Tech, right? Yes, Can you tell us I about did. that experience? Yeah. So I ran, um, I once I joined high school, um, I was on a pretty good team and I was never like, even on my high school, my best friend, who's my best friend to this state, she was my teammate in high school and at college in Virginia Tech. And she was a faster runner than me. So I was never like, the number one runner and then I went to college and I was just I always describe my college experience like oh you ran like division one I'm like yes but I was like a small fish in a big pond like I was a good teammate I worked really hard but I wasn't that all ACC all like all American all region I never made like a, a regional race I like think I scored some points in cross country a few times um, so that I just, that was a big lesson in my collegiate career was that I just couldn't stay healthy from a physical, or I got like anemic or any like type of illness or, or random injury. 
there's a lot of pressure in college. I just didn't realize at the time when you're like 18, 19, 20 years old, like, you know, you need to let your body heal and you can't like accept her on this high caliber level with like a nagging injury. So I just never really kind of had anything click. My, I'm five years, um, nothing clicked those times. I mean, I had a, a lot of great, like some, some really hard stuff. I look back at like things I did. I'm like, how like did I do those runs? I was like, oh my God, like from the speed standpoint. And now I'm like running, I'm running actually faster now in some aspects than I was in college, but I just couldn't get everything clicked together. So I call my collegiate career, like I learned a lot of lessons and I got my best friends from that. And I was like, oh, I wish I could be faster. So it was like, really disappointing because I think like you're in your college I think that was like the time that you have in your life where it's like you get to be the fastest runner you can be and this is at the time like you don't have a job your your focus is to be a student athlete so you're both you're really like all in on this one sport and it was really frustrating to not have things click and that's a huge reason why I got into triathlon a year after college so like I think I still have something in me I'm not definitely not fast enough to like ever pursue running solely but like I'm, I think I could do pretty well in triathlon based on my swimming background so yeah I just I think that those lessons and that experience definitely led me to be in triathlon now because that's like I saw a fire in me to get something that I didn't get in college and so what about like the lessons you learned in your college running career have you taken some of them into what you're doing as a professional triathlete how you're structuring your life how you're like you know, just mentally investing in that and kind of, you know, to make sure that your career as a professional triathlete is fulfilling, right? And isn't yeah. like, you know, breaking you down, causing injuries, things like that. What changes have you made? I definitely, since after, well, from a running, like just strictly like injury, like keeping yourself going standpoint, I made a promise to myself at 23. I graduated I ran through bursitis in my heel for two years so I just developed like Haglund's deformity which is like an extra bone spur on the back of your heel and but that when that happened I tore my Achilles by 50 percent so I had to like I did six now through college I did nothing for six months I'm like if I want to keep I love running so much if I want to like run however fast I want to run or just enjoyable like I need to like shut down and like just let my body heal so that was the first thing I did I took six months off nothing which was like 23 I'm like I'm so out of shape it's disgusting but like I had to do that for myself so I made that promise to myself first that I'm never running from an injury ever again and that's like I've been very true to that for the last seven plus years since I graduated school it's like never again like I held that too but one thing about balancing life uh, or the lessons I learned in college is that I was I was in the architecture school at Virginia Tech I studied interior design within there so I've always had a balance of design and sport in my life and I've always had a job that was my like so I've always like that's something that I've just had to learn to balance from school and that's like just the biggest thing I've learned is that I couldn't be like a typical architecture student like pulling all nighters or doing all these iterations of designs I was like no I gotta go like first design this is it implement and go because I have to go to practice or I have to I'm gonna miss studio time because I have a meet coming up and that has really paid off into my professional career as an interior designer balancing sport because like you just have to be super efficient with your time and not get like there's some days you have to work a lot but like that's I've always had that in my life and that's a huge I didn't realize at the time but that was a huge experience that like has led me to be doing this balance now of course, I would love to be a full-time athlete, but that sounds like, that's like camp in a way, like it's like sweet, like five days all-inclusive sport, but reality is, is that I have, you know, I support myself, so like that experience there has been a huge thing for me to like just have in my life as a young adult. And I believe that also, you know, as you have moved through the triathlon ranks from beginner age grouper to, you know, elite level amateur to professional you've also balanced a lot of like family issues and changes in that can you tell us a bit about that and how you managed to you know make sport a positive part of your life even when there's a lot of other challenges yeah so I've been pretty open about this but um back in let's see when I first graduated school my dad got diagnosed with stage four cancer um, so that was like a super hard time in our family. Like we kind of blindly said, like, of course, it's going to survive this. He had a 
within an FDA trial, wasn't even approved yet. Um, so that was in 2015 and 2016, he fortunately made it through. He had like a 50% chance of making it. So that was like a huge hurdle for like our family and my dad. And so fast forward, you know, I'm now moving out in California now and he has a recurrence of cancer in 2018. We were, it was that year was worlds in South Africa. And so he made sure he came to that trip with me and he was going to start his next cancer treatment. Um, a re-diagnosis of a different, he has melanoma. Um, so a different area of that. And then at the same time, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. So this is like everything on top of that. And so my bro- I have a younger brother, but he um, has some mental health issues. There wasn't like, I'm the older sister. So I had to, you know, what I had to do during that time was after I finished my triathlon seasons, I did 70 plenty worlds. I did a race in super, I did 70 plenty super frog. I had a, then I actually had to quit my job. I was able, my parents were going to hold my rent here in Encinitas and I went home for three months and I helped take care of my mom and my dad because they had treatments in different areas of the country because my dad was in DC. That's where we used to live. My mom's, they moved up to Rhode Island. So then they, um, I, she had a vasectomy. So for breast cancer, so I did her first. And after two weeks there, I went down to my dad and took care of him during his um, radiation um, treatment for the melanoma that he had in his neck and throat. And so like during that time of three months, I didn't have a job, but like, I just kind of used training as like, okay, like you just got to get it done. Like you just got to keep in some type of shape. Like this is not like a super high priority, but it was my mental escape. Um, and it was, it was really hard. And that was like the sense that like, you just, I, I, went, I remember going like a full day with my dad and I would be like going to the pool or rec center in Northern Virginia um, at 8 p.m. at night to get a 4,000 yard swim in, but then be done by nine because I was taking him to appointments all day. And so I remember once we made it through that, it was a really hard time for our family, like with my brother and my parents. I was like, get me back to California, like after end of 2018. So I remember I come back into 2019. I was just like, it was refreshed to have like, okay, it's my life. I have my life back. And like, now I get to train and like, I got my job. I, I got my job back when I came, but it was just like during that time, like sport was my outlet, um, but it couldn't be a priority, but I was able to like, just keep it going and have that be for me versus this like all sucked into family. Like I still need to train. Obviously there was some flexibility. I couldn't do everything sometimes, but it just, it means perspective too. So that's a huge thing too. Like I've seen my parents go through pain. I've seen my dad live with pain every single day. So that's been like, when you talk about like mental toughness in a race or like a long time, I'm like, no, this is nothing. Iron Man is easy. Like this is no big deal compared to what he's been through or what other people with cancer treatments have gone through. So that's, and I have a very unique perspective on that. And I don't want that on anyone else, but that's kind of like my personal standpoint from years ago like how I am now I'm like oh this is no big deal like 112 mile bike ride in the marathon okay like but <laughs> so that's compared to what I've seen like it's it's very doable so and are your parents okay right now are they, yeah, they doing are. better my mom's my mom's been totally good my brother has been in, so ironic he went into a program in St. George Utah which ironically became like the racing capital of 2021 so we were able to go out there a few times and see him and my dad um he always I think we went I just saw him in July when I'm out classes, we had I actually flew into DC first and we met there the family wedding and whatnot. We went to Georgetown his hospitals. And this was like the first time in two years he's had no reoccurrence of cancer. And we just call so that's been like a huge thing, a huge relief for him. He's always kind of calls melanoma like whack-a-mole. Like it's just you never you're always behind. It's like, oh, we gotta kick that off your skin or this. And you just hope nothing is like major serious to have it. But uh, everyone's Good. my parents are both about to retire my dad's right now trapped like he's like kind of like they're living their best lives but yeah cancer definitely took a toll on my dad and it's like I think he's really like happy to be alive and just do all the things and the best thing is that every single Ironman that I've done so far and almost every pro race I've had a parent there and so they now get to wherever I end up like I'm gonna be like yep come along like we're gonna go be my support so that's their next 
chapters for the next few years at least they're going to come follow me to races or basically they're going to be voluntold to come to races <laughs> I'm doing the parent Sherpas I love it I love it and yes. you know Alex I'm like thinking about the timeline and so it's like okay that was 2018 and then you know you're back in California you're pursuing the you know the triathlon lifestyle and then we get hit with this global pandemic right and so yeah. You know, did you ever stop in that moment to be like that, like how, you know, I mean, I guess, did it just feel like another hit that was coming to like a hiccup or did you see it differently? Well, I saw it. Like, I think this is what I got into this really weird predicament in 2020. I talked to Haley about this too. And during that time is that I, Hillary, my coach, we decided I was going to turn pro in 2020, but it got into this weird thing. Also in there, I had an injury in 2019. So I like missed the second half of my triathlon season. I had a minor foot injury. So I did earn my pro card in 2018, my first year with Hillary, but I was, I knew I wasn't ready to turn pro. Like it was just one of those things like, Ooh, you finished in the top three, but I'm like, I know, no idea what I'm doing. So like, this is not going to bode well if I turn pro right now. I guess it would be really like, it just would have been bad. Like I just wasn't ready. I was so not experienced enough. But in 2019, I had an injury, but I was always like fourth or fifth top amateur. I was so up there when I did my races, but I didn't re-earn the pro card. And the reason you have one year to claim it after you do that race. And so end of 2019, I did one comeback race after being out for four months. It was great. However, I was fifth overall amateur. I wasn't top three. So we had this big plan, like, okay, we'll do 70.3 Oceanside. You were a fourth amateur last year. Like, if you have a good race, you're going to be top three. I'm like, okay. And then after that, we'll turn pro. So I didn't sign up for any races in 2020. This was like, kind of like, we're just going to take a gamble risk. Oh, you know, like you, you got to shoot your shot. Well, then the pandemic happened. And so I kind of, the mentality was, I was like, I didn't, at the time, you never know as long as it's going to be, but I was like, well, I'm still turning pro. I can't stop my training. Like I need to, I need to be so much better than I am now. So like, that was my motivation. Like for however long there was going to be no races, I was like, I still need to improve. And so that be kind of, and I, that was like, kind of like, I'm going to be turning pro at some point. Like, I don't know when, but like, I need to put the work in now. And I actually kind of think for a lot of reasons, like that pandemic for me, I wasn't ready. Like I look back back at it now, like I was like the training I was now, I am now, like that year, I actually built up a huge base. I learned, I was biking, I think I did like 25 or 26 century rides that year, which is like, I realized it's really probably not normal, but I rode like a hundred miles all the time. And I just like Hillary with her coaching, we had a bunch of different like challenges, like rate bike things to do in our training to keep it interesting when there was no races going on and I kind of like just I used that 2020 as a huge like training build block to like once I got into 2020 it was a little like after 18 months no racing like I wasn't like this freak who like my first race back I won overall amateur like it took me a couple races and I was like okay now I I earned it again you know in my second or third race back I'll turn pro this fall so that's kind of how um, that went, but yeah, I use that as to my advantage. I feel like, okay, we just had Haley drop off, but we're going to continue and maybe she'll pop back in Alex. So just a couple other questions for you before we let you go. Um, you're no stranger to racing. You've checked off a lot of the North American Ironman and 70.3 races, but surely you have some other bucket list races that you want to be checking off in the upcoming season. So can you tell us about those? Yes. Yeah, so my goal with this year is think for financial reasons and just being my foot in the door was to race in North America and in the United States. Um, basically just like, you just need to get Ironman experience. That was just easy to stay in a country, you know, and just get that experience. Um, I feel like for next year, um, I'll be probably, my goal is to, I want to qualify for Kona at some point. So I wanted to, you know, if I don't do that this year, which would be like Zeus struck me, you know, it would be kind of crazy if it did. But if um, it's probably to try to find those types of races I know Hillary talked about. Um, but I do really want to get to Europe at some point. I would love to race in Europe. I don't know where. I just think that 
I never just got to go to Europe in college or did like the study abroad or any of that kind of thing um, in being at in college. And I just got a job right out of college too. So I didn't have that little travel bit. So if I could race in Italy or France or Switzerland, like that would be sweet, but I definitely would have to justify my fitness. Nothing just to financially make that feasible trip. I would definitely in my next if not next year I think I think realistically I would love to do one international race next year and then the following year I would love to do as much as possible just because I feel like this is the time to do it when I'm irrelevantly single and there's no kids like go and do that and you have to help your parents live their best retirement life I mean yeah and then they can be like hey they're also like the Airbnb support so we split that cost <laughs> so I think that and I also just want to have an excuse to travel and I think that's my favorite thing of triathlon is that I would never have been within even the United States I'm like I would never go to these locations if there wasn't for a race and I think that's like really cool it's a very it's a very privileged thing to say that too um it's not cheap to go to some places and so it's cool to like explore through racing so if I have mom or dad or a friend who's like yeah I want to go this location do you want to come but I just gotta I don't know how I'm gonna plan that for next year but definitely my goal is to get to Europe more than any other place really because I think it's just such a cool like historic area crazy roads to ride on it's good competition I mean really there's good competition now anywhere you go but like just things a different experience. I think that would just be so cool. So that's like my, my, my goal dream. I know for sure. I'm, I'm definitely, just because I did it this year, I want to do like class it again next year, just as like, just to redo it again. Like I just like, I now I did it and I love that course. I'm like, wait, I got to improve. So that I, but unless there's like a race in Europe that I like get into or do, well, then I'll choose that. But We'll see. I just can't even like what's one of the I mean the what's one of the depends on when they put the pro list out for next year too. You can't really plan too far in advance, but I'm throwing it out there to the universe that I want to be in Europe at some point in the next two years to race. I love it. Yeah. There is like no better way, yeah, to have that kind of motivation to travel and see some new places, meet other people and like have a good safe way to get to other countries and, and see the world. Um, right now with the bike things and everything with traveling, it's like, okay, this was the bright year not to travel yeah. internationally. And so I'm hoping. Although like, knock on wood, I just had very good luck. Yeah, I'm like literally not, yeah, going to Scotland and all of my bags and bikes and everything got there. So um, I think it might be one of those things where the, the people having issues are the ones we're seeing the most of, right? Like the, you're never going to, you're never going to put on Instagram, like, oh, everything made it. Everything, perfect. everything was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Great. yeah. I think it just, yeah, I, I'm hoping. Yeah. That's my goal. And I, it's more so it's not like I'm, I can physically get into the shape to justify going to some of those races. I think I, I'm not worried about that. It's more so like the financial job burdens of like, do I still have my job? Like, how am I going to balance that if I'm in Europe for like, you know, those types of things. And financially, if you're paying for everything yourself or, you know, however you don't have support or you do have support, like how are you going to make that feasible is my biggest, like, that's the hurdle I'll have to logistically figure out. So that will be over time. So that's why I'm like, if I do one next year, cool. And then if I do multiple the next year, hopefully I have more sponsors or other financial means or I can just be like, yeah, I'm definitely going to get some money at this race. <laughs> I can like go. So, but, but we'll see, but I have to you have to throw it out there and see what sticks. So that's my goal. Awesome. Well, Alex, all the best to you this week as you get ready to race in one of my favorite places uh, over in Madison, give that course my best. And I, I will be tracking you all day. Haley will be as well. Um, keep your feet up and yeah, have a, have a great race this coming weekend. And thanks so much for chatting with us. Okay, Alyssa. Um, I actually just did the math on how many days I've been a <laughs> professional triathlete. I didn't even use a calculator. I think I'm at, uh, 3,650. <laughs> oh my gosh. Your 10 year anniversary. Was yeah. your first pro race? I'm, I'm in, in Arizona. Arizona. Oh, I'm in that's so special. We should have like, anniversary. like USAT should think about doing like mailing us a little card or something. 
And, you know, when, when we send in our USAT fees, they can mail us back and be like, congratulations on your anniversary. Right. That'd be nice. <laughs> that would be very nice. But, um, thank you for that. That was like, you a, get like a mug, like what are we giving in corporate Wonder. settings for, you know, like some places do like a pen, you, a really nice yeah, pen, a mug, a pen, um, maybe some, uh, like nice rubber bands to like yeah, attach like your a shoes to your bike. <laughs> <laughs> a nice oh. water bottle. I would take a nice water bottle, a 10 year water bottle, like a color coded one or like, even if every year you got a different color water bottle and then you knew like, Oh, there's a 10 year, there's a lifer. There's a, we can bring it up to Vic Brumfield. Maybe we should, you should bring it up next time. Uh, next time you see Vic, but, um, thanks Probably for helping me mark thing. this milestone. And <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe when your 10 year anniversary comes around, which isn't much longer, I just can't 10 years is a long time. I can't believe that now that I like oh, think that, about it, but yeah, that is really impressive. But, um, I also can't think of anyone else who should be keeping that party alive in Tempe, Arizona this week, other than Alex Watt. So Alex, good luck this weekend racing and we will be, we'll be cheering for you. And yeah, everyone else in Tempe, enjoy it because it's going to be snowing in Vermont and probably snowing in Bozeman. So yes, yes. we're, we're, (laughs) we're keeping it cool for everyone else. Alyssa, I'll talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.